You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Thirty-five years we're celebrating uh, together, 35 years of ministry here at Faith Assembly, which in all honesty is not a long time. But uh, nonetheless, as we see the things that have progressed and and uh, faces that have, uh, uh, that have been a part of this fellowship and are no longer uh, here. Um, some in the, in the presence of the Lord even recently uh, have uh, gone on. But we thank God for the ministry. And the Bible says that it is well to look back and to see, uh, to even identify the ancient path. Uh, to recognize the things that have that have been done, because what God has brought, there's the the purpose of what God has for us, the purpose that He puts, and the power and the presence that He has will never change. It is the same Holy Spirit that worked 35 years ago, 135 years, 335 years ago, 3,000 years ago. It is the same power and Spirit of God that is work and that is at work in the church today that God is working and doing. His power does not change, but when we become people who know His power more intimately, His power does not change, but His power produces more because we become a people who avail ourselves or make ready or, or, or give Him opportunity to do even greater things how many know that God desires to do more than we can even imagine isn't that what the Bible says that he can do exceedingly more than what we can ever imagine and so we want to uh, to just honor and to recognize and say to God God do the greater and the more that you have in our midst we are looking uh, in the next two weeks to put together a birthday party who loves a good birthday party I was right yeah you get invited to birthday parties, and uh, we, in, we enjoy birthday parties. In fact, I've seen a, a couple of you at birthday parties even recently as we had uh, uh, some birthday parties taking place. And we're putting together a birthday party here at Faith Assembly in two weeks, and it's going to be a whole weekend long. <gasps> I mean, look at your mom and dad and say, can you believe it's going to be an entire weekend long? You, in fact, if your mom and dad are, is here right now, would you pull them on the arm and say, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Uh, sounds a little desperate, but we'll go with it. Uh, no, we're Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and so we're putting together a celebration. You know, we honor 35 years. 35 years, a lot has changed in 35 years. I mean, look at the person you're sitting beside, and just imagine where your relationship with them was 35 years ago. I mean, there's many of us here who are like, they didn't even exist. We didn't know each other 35 years ago. A lot has changed in 35 years. I mean, I, I've only known my wife for, for about 20 of those years. And, and uh, she would look at me and say, even in 20 years, you had more hair back then. It was things change in 35 years. 35 years ago, 35 years ago, the hit song that came out, YMCA. <laughs> If that was a hit or not. 35 years ago, a lot has changed. 35 years ago, in January of 1979, in January of 1979, you'll love this, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. That was for our brother Todd Sackett. Yes, they beat the Dallas Cowboys, and he's wearing a Dallas Cowboys. Those of you that are near him right now, would you just lay your hands on him? Let's pray. Pray conviction or whatever it is come upon him. And uh, 
In that same year, January of 1979, of course, the the Steelers won the Super Bowl. A couple months later, in October of that same year, the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series. So in one year, Pittsburgh had the Super Bowl and the World Series. A lot has changed in 35 years. In 35 years, 35 years ago, I was wearing my Batman pajamas and eating my Quisp cereal. Y'all remember Quisp? I mean, that was my favorite. It was like this corn sugared cereal. It's probably not good. They don't even make, I don't know if they make it anymore. I loved it. It had the little alien on the front and I'd sit there and just stare at the alien. (laughs) Eating my Quisp cereal 35 years ago. Some of you don't know what Quisp is. You'll have to look it up. How many know what Quisp is? That was my, that was my cereal. 35 years ago, do you know how much a stamp cost 35 years ago? 15 cents. 35 years ago, you could send a stamp or send a, send a mail with a stamp that only cost 15 cents. I mean, that's so cheap, 15 cents, maybe you would think. I, I'm not sure. Today, what is a stamp? We just hit send, you know? You just hit the button on the phone or something else. We, it's altogether different. 35 years changes everything. 35 years ago, or just over 35 years ago, this property would have been nothing but woods. It would have just simply been a place that people passed on their way from one point to the next. But 35 years later and 35 years in between, it has become a place that has helped to point people to Jesus Christ. Become a place to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Have we done it perfectly? No. Are we doing it the best? No. Are we the only ones doing it? Absolutely not. But we are who we are for these 35 years by the grace of God saying, Lord, let us be the people, the voice, the church that you've called us to be for such a time as this. Because who knows if God has maybe not raised us up for such a time as this to be in this 35th year going into 36 years of ministry to open the door that are to walk through the doors that God might open that we might see in a near future greater things for God's glory occurring all throughout Fayette County that more families some of you are sitting here and you know the domino effect of so and so invited you and so and so you and this domino effect that there are more dominoes that need to be pushed over in Fayette County there's more dominoes that need to be given a nudge and pushed and moved into the path and the way of God this is our desire How do we celebrate 35 years? We don't celebrate 35 years of just celebrating 35 years of being a church. We celebrate 35 years of being a place where people's lives have come to a closer knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some of you have had your spiritual birth happen at this property. Some of you is at a property before we, this church was moved here in, uh, in uh, 80, 87, before the, the things would have transpired or things would have happened here, maybe at another property, maybe it was a, at another church, another place, but our lives together for this moment. I don't know what brought you here, but we're here right now. I don't know how you got here, but we're here together. I, I don't know what was going on in your past that brought you to this place, but we're here together to do the work that God has for us in this future, to move forward. How do we celebrate? Well, we're putting together a celebration inside your bulletin. There's a, uh, an insert. And I'd just love to draw your attention this morning because we want to let you know what's happening in two weeks. 
You have two weeks to put this on your calendar, and I'm encouraging you make a priority to be a part of these three weekends. Here's what we've got line, or these three uh, three day weekend. On Friday, the 17th of October, Pastor Bill is putting together a great outreach. the The Family Life Center will turn 10 years old this same month. In fact, October the 10th was the dedication service 10 years ago of our Family Life Center, and we've thought, what better way to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of the Family Life Center than to provide a community outreach that we can bring our friends, and it'll be a great time. There's going to be a bungee, uh, trampoline bungee equipment stuff. They, Pastor Bill said I'm too big, but I'm going to lose weight, and he's going to, in two weeks, and I'm going to be able to get on that. But the, someone just shook their head no like this. You have, either I'm that big, or there's, I, it, we'll just move on. Anyway, you get on this bungee cord, and you get to jump up and down, have some fun, hay maze, and uh, carnival food. It really, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're encouraging you to invite your, your, your friends, your family, neighbors, come and be a part of this great family event. And uh, there'll be a puppet show and, and uh, an opportunity to just share and make known the love of Jesus Christ. Friday from 6 to 9. So come. You don't have to stay the whole time, but come and celebrate. Be a part of that great uh, uh, harvest uh, community harvest carnival. It'll be fun. Saturday then, the 18th at 8 a.m., the men's ministry is ho- hosting a prayer breakfast at 8 a.m., and we're inviting you to come out. Uh, you can sign up to be a part of that. It's an informal meet and greet that we've invited guests and those that maybe have been out of the area. They're coming. And just an informal meet and greet to come and fellowship in the morning, have a time of, of breakfast and uh, just a, a time of fellowship. And then at five o'clock is our dinner down memory lane. I hope that you'll plan to be a part of this. We were talking with someone about the the plans for this. And uh, they said, well, I just thought we were just going to eat and see some people and leave. I didn't realize it was quite a production. Now, we just want you to know what is happening on this event from 5 o'clock to about 7.30. We, are, we have invited every uh, former pastor of Faith Assembly who's going to, to be there. Pastor Steve and Lillian are going to be there. They're going to be sharing. But we have special presentations that are planned. We have a drama or a skit, a uh, seven-minute skit that has been written just for this event. You'll laugh. You'll have some fun. We'll have a great time. We have some special music and worship that is going to happen. In fact, we have a, a series of worship that is simply called Worship Through the Years, and we're going to just worship uh, together through the years of some songs that have just been put together, of songs that would have been sung at this church early on, and to songs that have become just uh, anthems of, of this church through the years, and encourage you to come and be a part of that. It is going to be a powerful time as we hear testimonies, and I believe without a doubt, yes, we're going to be gathered around food. It's going to be wonderful food, chicken cordon bleu. What time are we eating? At one o'clock, right? It's going to be a great meal, but I believe as well something in the spirit that God is preparing for us. And not only in the natural that we'll feast, but I believe in the spirit that even there have been times as we've been planning and we've been sitting around the table talking, just a sense of God's presence, that believing that what we're planning in the natural, God is planning above us and something in the supernatural is happening even in the midst of our natural planning. How many know that's how God works? And we submit our ways to him. We plan so much, but God works far beyond what we can even imagine. I want you to be a part of that. You say, we've not been coming long enough. That's hogwash. That's not true. We'd love for you to come be a part of the celebration on Saturday the 18th. All you would need to do is sign up. We do need to know you're coming. It's absolutely free, and you can sign up either online. Right now, you can go to myfaithassembly.org, and just on the uh, register tab there for the, the, uh, the 35th anniversary dinner down memory lane, you can sign up online or call the church office. We hope that you'll join us and be a part of that. Then you'll see 
on the 19th. We have a special service in the morning with uh, Pastor Don will be speaking and it'll be a worship time. The 18th is about looking backwards. The 19th is where we want to say, God, help us to look forward as we, we celebrate what has been but help us to be prepared for what you desire to do in these years remaining because we don't know when he's coming, but it could be very soon. And make us ready and uh, help us to prepare those around us for that great coming. It'll be a great time in the, the morning in our 9 and 11 o'clock service with Pastor Don. And then in the evening, I know it's all weekend long. You're thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be tired. And I believe it's going to be refreshing. It's going to be good. We're in the, in the evening service. Come back at 6 o'clock then on the 19th. This is going to be powerful. Pastor Dave Selleck, who is now 87 years old, who in 1952, when he was 23 years old, he and his wife traveled to Uniontown. And on Saturday nights, they would set up with her accordion. She would play the accordion. And in 1952, across from the Uniontown post office, they would stand and sing and share the gospel. And it grew up to 30 people that were gathering at the street corner there across from the Uniontown post office that led to being a church on Gallatin Avenue. In fact, there are some folks sitting right here who are a part of that, a part of that fellowship and that ministry. That church really plowed the ground and laid work so that this church might have 35 years of history. But because of Pastor Selleck and the vision and the church that, that came in that time, Pastor Selleck is going to be with us to share a word of encouragement. It's going to be a baptism service, and he's going to share a word of encouragement with us and lead, to, lead us to a time around the altars to pray and ask God to consecrate us and make us ready so that those who did what needed to be done 35, 50 some years ago, that God would prepare us to do what needs to be done today so that the generation behind us might have something even st st more stable to build upon, that the kingdom of God might advance. I, if I sound like I'm excited about the weekend, I am. If, I, if, if you sound like I really want you to be there, I do. If it sounds like I think you'd miss out if you're not there, you will. If you, if you think I'll be mad at you if you don't come, you're not, it's not true. I won't be mad at you. I'm sincerely, though, I'd encourage you to come and be a part of that. How do you celebrate? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guy that likes history. Anybody else like history? I love looking at history. I love looking back to see where we've come because here's the reality. Where we are today is the result of where we were yesterday. And where we're going tomorrow will not be affected until we deal with what yesterday was. We will not get anywhere tomorrow until we dealt with the effects of yesterday. If what we did yesterday has brought us to today and we don't deal with what yesterday was, then we can't expect tomorrow to be any different. We can't expect there to be anything new, any different, that we'll keep walking in the same pattern. And what has brought us to where we are and what will take us to where God wants us to be, and we've asked this question here, I believe is the answer, devotion. To be devoted to something. You realize that when we're devoted, it becomes a deep commitment. When you have a deep devotion, you're devoted to your spouse, you're devoted to your family, there's a devotion. You're devoted to your schoolwork, you're devoted to homework. Wave your hand if you're devoted to homework. Wave your hand if you love homework. Why are all the parents raising the hand for the kids, you know? Raise your hand, raise your hand. I, I did not see one child's hand go up. It was all the moms helping them out or dads helping them. Raise your hand. You love homework. There's a devotion. When we become devoted to something, in, in Joshua chapter 3, I want to share this story this morning. And, and uh, as we look at this word together, talking about a family devotion, asking this question, is it in you? God desires a devotion for something to occur in our lives. And asking this simple question, is it in you? Do you have that devotion? 
Those of you that watch sports and maybe you've experienced how things have occurred on a, on a uh, team, uh, this hasn't happened lately to the Steelers, but other teams that are winning, uh, <laughs> I don't, I still like the Steelers. It just would be a lot. You never quit, you never quit being a Pittsburgh fan, right? right? Doesn't matter how they're doing. You watch some of the games, and after the game, there are some of them that uh, when they have the, uh, uh, the games there, they come along, and when they've won, what do they do when they've won? They get someone else to open up the lid. They, they take what's inside the bucket, and you've ever seen, and when they won, they get all excited. You guys want to stand up? This would be awesome. You want to stand up? Okay, here we go. All right. Are you guys ready? Stand closer together so it can get both of you. Okay, you ready? That was a cool face you made, though. I was really, I, I like that. It was, you did better than Lad in the first service. Lad was no fun. He didn't, uh, he didn't play along. When they win, they get excited. They take that. And, and how many dads are like me? They're dumping the Gatorade out, and you're thinking, what a waste. Anybody have a dad like me? Uh, you think uh, you, maybe your dad is uh, thinking you shouldn't waste that. You need to shut that off. You need to eat that. You need don't waste it. We don't like waste. My mom would even say that before she watched what are those foolish people doing dumping that purple juice on each other, whatever color it was? What, what are they doing? Because they, they win and they get excited and they dump the Gatorade out. You know what? The Gatorade's not meant to be on the outside of you. It's supposed to get on the inside of you. And when it comes to devotion, when it comes to our commitment, we've got to ask ourselves, have we become comfortable or enjoying just it being dumped on us, or have we become a people who are getting it on the inside of us? Gatorade's fun to have a Gatorade bath if you're winning, but how many know Gatorade is more useful if you drink it than if you dump it on each other? Hey, I bought some Gatorade. Great, let's, let's, have a, let's do a challenge. Put it on Facebook and dump the Gatorade on my head or something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll do, let's start something new. We, we can No, you get Gatorade for the purpose of putting it inside of you. Listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua, leader for his time, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Listen to this. Since you have never traveled this way before... They will guide you. You might be going through something today you've never gone through before. You're hitting a stage of life that it's not new to, world, to the world, but it's new to you. You've hit an experience in life that you're not the first one to experience it, but it's the first time you've ever experienced it. You're going through something in your life you've never been here before, and he says that you're supposed to follow the instructions that are given. Follow these priests. Follow the instructions because you've never been this way before. She says, stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, listen to what he said, purify or consecrate. Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Consecrate yourself today, because tomorrow the Lord is going to do great things among you. The decisions of today will impact the effects of what we walk into tomorrow. That until we deal with what has been going on in our lives at this present moment, it will never change the result of what's happening in the future moments. 
that what we deal with at the, at the present time, then recognizing this, that Joshua was leading the people. Moses had died. There was a generation that had gone. A generation had exited the scene. And now it's time for a new generation to walk into the promised land, to walk into the purpose for which God had called them to be and to walk into what God desired of them. Not because they were better, but because they learned from the generation that wandered in the wilderness. They were not any better. They were susceptible to the same failures, the same issues. They had the same complaining problems as the other generation. They were not a better generation. They just happened to be the generation that stood on the shoulders of a generation before them. They didn't get to where they were because they were so holy. They got to where they were because a generation before them learned some lessons. They became the complainers. They were the ones that wandered in the wilderness. And that generation gave a lesson and taught the next generation. I want you to hear, not because that generation was better. My dad's generation is not better than my generation. And my generation is not better than my dad's generation. I am a generation blessed to do what God has called me to do because I stand on the shoulders of my father's generation and literally of my father who taught me some things in life of what he learned and things that he experienced. I'm not better than him. I just stand at a different vantage point. And because of what God did in his life, it sets me up for something of greater success today. And sometimes we misperceive and think that because things are better today, oh, we're better than previous. No, we're blessed because we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. We're the same complainers that they were. We're the same wanderers prone to wandering just like they were. We're the same ones that complain because the water's not here. There's not enough food. We're the same one. We have the same issues. It's just that we stand on the shoulders of the lessons they learned and the process of what God brought them through. And we just happen to have a different advantage point now, or a different perspective. They come to this place, and God desiring that before God can ever bring them into the promised land, they first had to go across the Jordan River, right? But notice this, before they could cross the Jordan River, they first had to leave Acacia Grove. Maybe in your, your Bible it might say uh, uh, Shedham or something of that nature, but Acacia Grove. It was a place that was recognized as having some of the best trees, the, the groves that were there, it provided great shade. It was a great area. The Israelites spent a lot of time in the acacia groves. They would go there. In fact, you'd read about them being there in Exodus. In Exodus, God would say to them, I want you to go and take some acacia wood. I want you to take the acacia wood. I want you to cut it up. And I want your craftsmen to build the altar or to build the, the, the covenant or the, the Ark of the Covenant, the place that would carry my presence. Take the acacia wood. And I want you to build the, the, the bowls and the things that would be used for my presence. Go and get the acacia wood wood and it becomes a place of God's presence and his worship and they would carry that through exodus they were told it even shows up again the acacia grove it shows up again in in numbers because in numbers now it's a different scenario it's now no longer going into that area and get the wood to use for worship but now he's saying because of what you've done in this place in acacia grove because you've been seduced by the neighbors of moab the Moabite women had come in. They had done what God said not to do. God said, you're not supposed to intermarry, not different races, different religions. This is not a racial. You'll read it as foreign or racist. This is not a color of skin. It's not a race. It's not anything other than this. Those do not marry with those who do not believe in God, in Yahweh, who is the one and only God. 
And because they did not honor God, they married women they shouldn't marry. They put themselves in places they shouldn't be. And they did it in the acacia groves. You know why they did it in the acacia groves? Because it was a place where they could hide. It was shade trees. It's a lot of trees that are there. They could live one way and act another, but have an opportunity to not live for real. They had, unfortunately, where their worship became more of a place than a purpose. You see, because when it was where they were supposed to get wood, it became their purpose of worship. But when it became a place of worship, it became a place they would come and leave. Listen, devotion means that we don't have just a place of worship, but we, because here's the danger. I thank God that we have a place of worship. I thank God for faith assembly. I thank God that we have this building, but I don't come to a place of worship. I live a life of purpose to worship. There's a difference that when I have a place of worship, you know what that means? That easily means I can walk in one way and leave another and walk in, and I just walk in and walk out. I have a place of worship. I come and I leave. But when I no longer have a place of worship, but it becomes my purpose to worship, how many know that when you have a purpose, you can't leave that? That purpose follows me. Why? Because it's no longer what I've been bathed in. And listen, I love coming to church. I love having the opportunity to worship. I love the presence of God. I love when we can get all excited and we can have Gatorade baths and woo we got Gatorade. Woo-hoo, we, got, you know, we can have fun. We can, we can all jump in the Gatorade. That's great. But you know what really matters is that there be people who rise up and say, God, I don't want it to get on me. I want it to get in me. I don't want just something to be around me. I want your word to be in me. David said this, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's not enough that we come to a place of worship. Church, we have got to be people with a purpose for worship. This must not be a place where we bring our children. I'm glad you brought your children. But it's not enough to just bring them. Here's, the, here's what, a picture. You remember the, the man who, who was crippled and he was laying there on the side of the road and, and uh, um, they, they walked by him and they said, uh, Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. That story in the book of Acts. Here's the picture of that. That man was brought to the temple every day. You know what? Someone on their way to church dropped him off at that gate. That person would have dropped him off at the gate, walked into the temple of worship and then picked him up on the way out. It would have been someone's benevolent job to pick up the beggar and take him to church. His job to pick him up. Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and said, Jason, be careful you don't treat your kids like the beggar. You just drop them off at church and then pick them up on the way out. I can't just drop them off at the gate. I got to carry them into the presence. I got to lead them into a place where they can know the presence of God. I've got to live in such a way that I allow the word to get in me so that it can flow and become a place that we don't just go to a place of worship. We live a life of worship. Does that make sense to anybody? The acacia grove. That we got to be careful that the one generation became a place that they would make furniture for the, pl- the Ark of the Covenant, the place of worship. But to another generation, it became a place where they could hide their secret sins. It became a place where they could pretend and become something and pretend to be opposite and different. You know what we need is to be people this is not, a, this is not a, a word of condemnation. This is a word of saying, oh God, if we're really gonna be the church you've called us to be, help us be devoted. Help us to not just have Gatorade baths in your word. Help us to have your word hidden on the inside of us. Does that make sense to anybody? So we wanna challenge you this morning to be devoted. When I think of devotion, what, or when you think of devotion, what comes to your mind? 
I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of devotion. How about this? We even use it in the church world. We say devotion. We say things like, have you had your devotions? How are your devotions? What do we mean by that? Your personal time with God. And I think it's appropriately defined or called that because when we spend time reading God's word on a daily basis, we're no longer just expecting a preacher to give us a Gatorade bath. We're saying to God, we're gonna get your word on the inside of us. Amen? And when we have devotions with God, we're saying, God, we want to know your word more so that when the preacher preaches, it becomes confirmation of what your word is already saying. And if God is confirming the word that's in your heart, then that means you're already moving further. You're a step ahead. You're a step in the right direction. But if we expect other people to give us Gatorade baths and get us motivated and get us moving, then we never move as far as we could. But when we're already saying, hey, I'm already going. If you want to give me a push, you can push me, but I'm already moving. Does that make sense? That when you're in the word of God, you're already saying, hey, I'm already at a pace, but when we come together, it gives me a nudge and it helps me move a little stronger, move a little, little harder, and to go in the direction, it's easier. I was gonna ask you to stand up and start walking so I could push you, but I wouldn't wanna do that. She's bigger than I am. She's stronger than I am, I mean. This woman works circles around me on work days. My, my, my. Oh, I'm getting tired just thinking about all the work you do. Whew. If somebody's already in motion and you push them, you advance them even further. But if they're standing still, if you push them, what happens? They'll likely fall down. Right? Here's what we've done too many times in the presence of God. It's appropriate to fall down. But the danger is we keep falling down in the same place. But when I start walking in the word, when the word is in me and I begin to activate in God's word, somebody comes along and the preacher says something, it pushes me. I no longer fall down in con- condemnation. I now run with conviction. Why? Because the word is already fueling me and it becomes something that advances me rather than something that's trying to get me going or to get started. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? That we need a devotion to God's word. Let me ask you your devotion life. How is it? In fact, Pastor Bill's going to come and he, he's going to help us have some fun with this because how many of you have family devotions? We, we try to have family devotions. They get a little excited. He's going to tell us what not to do for family devotions. So I'm going to give it over to Pastor Bill. Would you please welcome our family life pastor, Pastor Bill, as he comes to share this morning. He's going to help us have some fun. That's right. We're going to talk about devotions. Anybody, anybody can tell you how to properly have a time of family devotions. And what we're talking about is gathering as a family, and either having some scripture reading, a time of prayer, combine the two is really good. And by the way, it doesn't matter what your family looks like as far as who lives in your home. You can have a time of family devotion. If it's a husband and wife who have adult children and you're there by yourselves, you can have a time of devotions together. Uh, If you are a a single adult, you can do the same. If you're a widow or widower, I know my mother is a a widow now of, of several years, and she most assuredly has a very, very regular uh, devotional life. I look up to, I admire, uh, I thank her for kind of instilling that in us. Uh, and I know that she prays for her kids too, really regularly. Those are all good things to do, good things. Now, here are some things. If you're a parent or a grandparent who wants to have a time of devotion with your kids, maybe you say to yourself, I want to make sure that my kids absolutely despise having a time of devotions. I want to make sure they loathe it and never, ever want to do it again. Here's what you want to do. Step one, we'll give you the top ten ways to make sure your kids despise family devotion times. The first thing you would do is this. Hold firmly to the belief that your consistency and your faithfulness 
in doing a family devotion time is going to certainly guarantee your child's salvation. That's just not true. Here's the second thing you want to do. Don't allow them to act like kids. If they start to wiggle and squirm a little bit, or say they have to go potty, or say, can I have a drink of water, deny their every request, and make sure that they sit completely 100% still, listen to every word you say, and look you in the eye. Do that, and I assure you that they will not enjoy family devotions. Uh, Expect immediate visible results. If by the time you finish your time of family devotions, those children aren't on their knees with tears flowing from their eyeballs, begging forgiveness from both God and you, you have failed. Number four, the longer time you spend reading the Bible, the better. Most TV shows are about a half hour. My goodness, a lot of their favorite movies are an hour and a half. They should be able to give you their undivided attention for at least that long. Don't ever let them see your weakness. Make sure that if there's a question about confessing sin, don't mention the things that you might regret having done, but be certain to point out their every sin and call them by name. Yeah, don't ever mention grace. Don't talk about Jesus and the forgiveness that's available uh, through him. Don't talk about how he loves and forgives sinners. Make sure that they know the only way that God will ever be happy is if they obey every single word that you say and their parents, their teachers and grandparents as well. Obedience to you is the only way that God will ever be happy. Yeah, number seven, force them into religious duties even if they don't want to perform them. Make sure that each child prays. And set time limits, too. Make sure it's a bare minimum of five minutes. Ten minutes would be better yet. Make sure that religious devotion takes the priority. Start out every devotional time with uh, reading Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. And that, of course, speaks about the fact that children should obey their parents in the Lord. Getting close to the final, uh, final few here. Number nine. For a little bit of ambiance in the home, make sure to play the repeat button on a CD or perhaps put in an iPod with either the song Amazing Grace uh, with organ music only, or if you want to really jazz it up, uh, put on Carmen, who knows Carmen? Carmen's The Champion, and make sure it plays on repeat in the background. And uh, the, the tenth piece of advice is this, don't be flexible at all. Make sure that your family devotion time is the exact same time, the exact same hour, minute, second. It begins the same time. It ends the same time. Every day, every night, every morning, whenever it is, don't, don't do it. If something comes up, in fact, if you have a pet goldfish or a little hamster that dies, kids often like to, you know, put that animal to rest. Don't do that. Family devotions come first. Little fluffy can wait. In reality, a time of family devotion is something that's wonderful to do. Uh, and it is a good idea to set aside a time because if you don't set aside a time, it will likely just never happen. And you'll say, oh, we should do it. We should do it. It'll continue to get postponed and postponed. And when you gather, you'll find that sometimes what you've intended for good 
can turn into something that might resemble the family feud. Hey, I got an idea. Let's have a quick game of the family feud. Can we do that? Is that okay? Is that all right? All right, good. Let's, um, let's see if I can get some, some contestants. Let's take a quick look and see who might be good contestants. Gracie, would, would you be a contestant? Yeah. Would, would you bring mom and dad with you too? Yeah. All right, go ahead and take mom and dad. And would you stand right up here? Stand right here. Let's welcome them. We'll, we'll introduce them in a moment. And let's find, let's, find, let's find another contestant, a group of contestants. Now, now, I'm looking back in this general area here, and there's lots of fantastic contestants to choose from. Let's, uh, let's see what... What do you think? Do we, do we have willingness? How many, how many willing participants? Do, do, what, 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 do we have it? If, if we don't, if we don't, what, any chance we, we would have willing participants? No, no. I, we're, looking, we're looking for two or three. Husband and wife, father, son, mother, daughter. We're just going to answer a few quick questions. Let's take a, uh, are, let's take a look. I, I see. They're right there, too, and they will. Come here, Riley. They will. They will. They're, they are awesome. There, Jeremy, you are, you are my favorite ever. You are my favorite. Here we go. I, there we go. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'll walk just a little bit ahead of you. You'll be coming on this side. And uh, let's introduce our first family as our second family mixed. I think. I hope they're coming up. Hope they don't back down. Let's find out who we have already on the stage. And when you get up here, you'll just kind of stand right here. It'll be wonderful. What is your first name again? You've introduced yourself. Tell us again, please. Gracie. Gracie and? Jennifer. Jennifer and? Rob. Rob. And Gracie, what is your last name? Panos. Panos. Let's welcome the Panos family. <laughs> Riley, way to step up like that. She said, I'm taking charge. And, and tell us again, what is your first name? Riley. And we have? Jenny. And? Jeremy. Thanks, thanks for being a good sport. Thank you so much. I really, really sincerely appreciate it. I owe you something. We'll figure out later what. Well, we welcome you. Now, today, we're going to ask you, what's going to happen is behind me, there's going to be the top six answers of a specific question. Go ahead. Let's get that ready. The question is this. What are some common things that people are afraid of? Or what scares the average person? So I'm going to back this up. And kind of Gracie and Riley, come here, stand right here. We're going to ask that question out loud. And when I finish asking the question, one of you, now adults, you don't have to do this part, so. One of you is going to make like a buzzing sound the best that you can with your mouth, like a ah, or buzz, okay? So let's give, it, let's give it a try. See how you would do it. <coughs> Perfect. All right, let's hear it. Oh, I, I, know, I know you have it in you. I know you do. If you can think of something you want to answer, go for it. If you say, no, nah, I'll just give it to Riley, then just remain silent. All right, here we go. The question, as soon as I'm done, let's hear a buzz and give me your best answer. Name me something that the average person is afraid of. All right, here we go. All right, Riley. Snakes. Snakes. Riley doesn't like snakes, she said. Now, do you, do you love snakes? Do you have a pet snake? Nope. Okay. Let's find out. Is snakes one of our answers? The number three response. 
Now, we will give you the opportunity. Tell me something that you think people are afraid of. 100 people were possibly surveyed. I don't know. And they gave responses. What do you think might be the one or two answer that more people might be afraid of? Spiders? Spiders, another good... Now, I would be more... Oh, the number two answer. That means you can return to your family, Riley, and you can return to your family. That means that we will continue play with the Panos family. All right. Now, let's, we, we've, we've met earlier. Can, can you tell us what you think might be something else that people are commonly afraid of? We'll talk to mom here. She's thinking. What, what, are, what might you be afraid of? What do you think? I'm afraid of snakes. Oh, she's afraid of snakes. We've we seen that. Give, give us another one. Give us another one. She's thinking. We'll, we'll give her 10 seconds. Or we might have to hear the annoying X. Thunder. thunder! Some people are afraid of thunder. Lots of pets. Dogs. Oh. Sorry about that. No thunder. Oh, let's continue on down with dad. Dad, dad's is, is the fa- father's dads are never afraid of anything, right? And if you are, you never let anybody know because you're dad. Dad is dad, right? But what might other people who aren't dads with that superhero strength be afraid of? You think heights? Ooh, it's possible. It is heights? Ooh, way to go! All right, Gracie, back to you. What are some things that people are commonly Afraid of bats? Oh, bats are are kind of icky. Go show me. Oh, sorry, Gracie. And, and by the way, doing something like this now, obviously, you may not have a big screen and microphone and people to play along, but maybe using a question like this as a discussion starter with your family could be a way for you to even say something like, "Yeah, you know, we're talking about things that people are afraid of, but what does the Bible tell us about fear?" And then you can use that as a way to segue into a little lesson. Let's continue on, though. We have two strikes. You don't want to get the third strike because then we have to go to the other team. Let's hear, let's hear what you have. Water? Wa- you know what? People are afraid of water. They really are. I'll never forget. There was a, a woman who I'll never forget conquered her fear to be baptized in water, and it was all that she could do to say, Lord, help me. I'm afraid of water. Show me. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. Over to the Bockle family. And let's pick up with mom. What do you think? We've already heard from you. You got it started from mom. What are some things that people are commonly afraid of? The dark. The dark. Oh, number five answer. Way to go. Way to go. All right, dad. People, and we know dads, again, we know, are invincible, have no fear. That's what kids think, right? Invincible. They can punch you, kick you have no fears. But what are, what are commoners who aren't dad afraid of? <laughs> Dying. Dying. Oh, number four answer. Look at that. He was holding out. He wanted to build up to that moment of suspense. And then he just let us have it. So all we're left with is the number one answer. What do you think that most people are afraid of. And then you could even use that as a way to talk about people are afraid of dying. They really are. But as a Christian, if we know where our, if we're secure in our salvation that Jesus has provided, then we don't need to be afraid of death. Let's hear, let's hear. 
Movies. Movies. Everybody's afraid of movies. Oh, except for that. Well, you know what? Let's just see. Teams, you did amazing. Let's see what the number one answer is. Public speaking. Something that you all did today. Give them a humongous round of applause. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pastor Bill. We are, uh, it can sometimes feel like the family feud. I, I remember a couple years ago, uh, not even recently, we were getting ready, ending devotions, and it's time to pray, and the prayer started out with, Jordan, sit up. Jaron, quit kicking Jalen. Jalen, put the dog down, quit making the dog growl. To where I thought, Lord, I'm not even in the mood to pray anymore. These, like, it can feel like it's work or difficulty, but you know what? We've learned, and I, I, I used to be, I had the rigid, we're going to have devotions. You know what? In the Lamer house, it's become, we're going to have devotions once a month or once a week. Uh, Friday, two, Monday or Tuesday, having the time that we take turns. And I tell you right now, devotions have been going around Bible quiz because two or all three of our kids are in Bible quiz right now. And so our family devotions has been dealing with Bible quiz. And so we sit down and look at Romans chapter eight together because that's what they're studying. Trying to just take the word and let it be practical to get in our hearts. In fact, I just want to give a plug for Bible quiz. I thank Tish for heading this up. We've not had Bible quiz for teens for a long time. And I've said, our pat, we just got to get students in the Word. We got to get students in the Word. We got to get the Word in students. We got to know the Word of God because we're not going to be devoted if we don't know the Word of God. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. And I, and, uh, but as our ushers are preparing to come, let me just share something with you this morning as encouragement. It was about eight years ago that I was working with Youth Alive and the Lord had given me a dream. There are moments where I just wake up from certain dreams and I know that I know that I know the Holy Spirit has just given me a word. It was about eight years ago as I was waking up one morning and this dream occurred and the dream was on a hot Sunday or a hot summer morning and kids are playing in the street and this fire hydrant is spraying and everybody's excited. They're running through the the water. Kids are riding the bike. Everybody loves the water spraying them. They're getting cooled off. Then all of a sudden I see this one little kid coming out and he's got this styrofoam cup and he's standing there catching the spray from the water, the fire hydrant. He takes that water and standing in the rain, he begins to drink the water. Then he runs inside and he comes out with a sleeve of of cups, styrofoam cups, and he's standing there one by one catching the spray of the water and then going to people on the porch and handing them the water. And I watched this kid do it in my dream. I wake up and I woke up from the dream. It was just this sense of I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking. It was so vivid. It was so clear. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said that we become a generation that is fulfilled rather than fulfilled. We're a generation that is foolishly 
jumping in the water and loving the sprays of the water and we get the water on us we get it around us we get it on us but only to be fulfilled is when we get the water and we drink it and we put it inside of us God's word is not just something that he wants you to be around at a place of worship where you come and you go but he wants his word to be hidden in your heart he wants you to get it on the inside of you do you know what his word does when I get his word on the inside of me it affects the way I talk to my wife. God's word on the inside of me affects the decisions I make when no one's looking. God's word on the inside of me becomes the campus and the guide of my life. This morning, we're going to receive communion. And we're receiving the elements, the, the body that was broken and the blood that was poured out for us. And we're saying to God, as we hold these elements, we're saying, God, we want to make a commitment to get your word in our heart. If God is going to do something great in the Church of Faith Assembly, we must be people, moms, dads, grandparents, young people who say to God, God, we devote ourselves to get your word on the inside of our heart we need God's word on the inside of our heart that it becomes the purpose of which we live not just a place of worship not a place we come and visit but it becomes the purpose on the inside of us how many would say that today that's our commitment before God you say how many would sincerely say before the Lord God this is my prayer to be devoted to your word to honor you this morning, we're going to receive communion. If that's your desire, our ushers are going to serve you at this time. If you would just hold the elements, we serve an open communion at Faith Assembly, but in an act of worship, we're going to receive communion, remembering what Christ did for us. And in an act of worship, we're going to say to God, God, we want this truth to get on the inside of us. Lord, we devote ourselves to your word. Maybe you're with your children. They've not received communion before. I would encourage you, as they have communion, we'll receive it together as mom and dad and family. Maybe your grandparents. If you want to get up and move close to family right now, I would encourage you to do that. But as a family of God together, we're going to receive communion and say to God, Lord, we're making our commitment that we want to get the word of God on the inside of us. Devotion to your word. The worship team's going to lead us this morning. It's made up of our RSC students, student worship team. And appropriate on this family Sunday as they lead us in worship. And may we be a people, young and old, a family together, saying, God, we want your word to be on the inside of us. This song just simply says, God, to be like you. This is my desire. I want to be like you. Your word that became flesh. Let it get inside of me. And even though I live this life in the flesh, let me live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. And so as we say this today, hold these elements and we'll receive communion together. But we're saying to God, today we make this commitment that as a family, God, let this word get on the inside of us and be our life together. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.